It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good, Bryce. I had a good weekend. had a fantastic uh, gegenpressing podcast with you yesterday. Um, turns out things do come true, don't they, if you just ask for them. So we had uh, a fun morning this morning when a certain someone was announced. But we'll, we'll discuss that later, I guess, uh, next week's gegenpressing podcast. But yeah, how are you, other than having nightmares about having to pronounce a certain name? <laughs> oh, I know. For anyone that's unaware, um, well, I'm not even going to that much, but a certain coach, which I've had pronunciation issues with previously on the gig and pressing uh, Bundesliga podcast, um, has returned to um, a club Stuttgart. So I'm going to have to deal with that next week after we kind of, well, we more or less jinxed it, didn't we, yesterday and saying that, could you imagine if he came back? And he has. Bloody typical. Anyway, <laughs> but what do you see? All the listeners for this podcast that uh, don't normally tune into the gig and pressing one will be tuning into that just to hear me fall on my face. But um, anyway, um, joining Manu and I is, well, former Liga MX uh, <laughs> analyst, um, Ollie Duxbury. Uh, Ollie, we're, we're obviously sad to hear that you're not going to be uh, working on Liga MX anymore um, for your employer, but but you're still going to be with us every week and you're still going to tune in, aren't you? Oh, 100%, yeah. It's like I've been on this, doing the league for 18 months and I can't like not let it go away now. I've been having like, too, too much of a good time. But yeah, it's sad that my time on the Liga MX for uh, Football Radar had to come to an end, but... It was, I think it was going to happen at some point, and I was, it just happened to be now, but yeah, I, I, we can still, I still watch the 6 p.m. games. If they think that I'm not going to stay up till 3 a.m. every weekend, then they, they, they clearly don't know that much about me. Yeah, Do you want to disclose yeah. where you're going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold, hold on. Before you break it, I mean, because everyone knows Ollie on the podcast for doing such a great job and knowing so much about the league, uh, you know, and Manor and I can't even compare to the amount of knowledge that you've got. You know, on a weekly basis, that we presumed when you said you're coming off this, you're going to be going to one of the top five leagues. I mean, if you're the top player in Liga MX, you've got to go to one of the big European leagues, right? So where have you went, Ollie? I've gone to the glorious dizzy heights of the Super Etern, which is the Swedish second division. <laughs> I just, I don't, I just don't understand this. Ollie. How could they do this to you? I, I, yes, the time zone's in your favour, but I mean, That's no, dis- no disrespect to any of our Swedish listeners, but I, I just can't imagine that that's going to be anywhere near as exciting as League MX. I mean, not many leagues are. It definitely isn't. I mean, I when I first started off at Football Radar, we had we watched random matches, and I definitely watched some super pressing games in my time. And even back then, I was thinking, God, this is. <laughs> Even though I'm earning money for this, this is a pure waste of my time. So now that I get to cover the entire league by myself, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't know in what way interesting it will be, but in in a weird sense, it will be. <laughs> well, Ollie, you never know. Sometimes these leagues uh, grab us in in funny ways, don't they? And you <laughs> you find some way. To like I mean, we're, we're laughing now, but you everyone finds a joy in in different random clubs or leagues for for different reasons and that may happen as well and i'm sure you're going to appreciate having the option of going to bed at a a more reasonable time so you know um and i've heard that um obviously your your employer they cover way more obscure leagues than this so Mm -hmm. i i suppose we've got to look at things as the glass is half 
Bull. But you're anyway. saying this could have been worse. Yeah, there's got to be. I think there, there could have been a slight chance it could have been worse. Yeah. Go on. Near, near what nation or what leagues you could have done that you feel oh, would have been worse? God, I mean, I'm trying to think of a really bizarre one off the top of my head. I mean, I could have done. I mean, Finland's probably a bit worse. I'd say Iceland, maybe mm. uh, Jap- Japanese third division. It's probably quite obscure. Well, that is. <laughs> yeah, but at least those cool. leagues are exotic. Yeah, yeah. Sweden is just it's. It's not, it's not really exotic. There's nothing interesting about it in second division. There's like, not, there's people, people who are even like very, vaguely interested in the first division probably don't even care about the second division. Oh, no, but you know, you, as you said, as a private person, you're still going to follow Liga MX and we're going to oh, plug your private account instead <laughs> of the, the Liga MX account that you had on Football Radar instead in the future. And you just have to become a hobby Liga MX expert. Not that you're not yeah. already are, but. Ah, whatever. It's good enough for us. <laughs> well, exactly. I'm sure, Ollie, it's become more than just a, a, a job or a, a chore to watch it. I'm, I'm sure, you know, as everyone knows, you've fallen in love with the league, you know, so, um, it would be a shame if you didn't continue, uh, reporting to us anyway with it. But, um, guys, let's get into it, I suppose. It, it is January. That means that there's still transfers going uh, all over the place. And that means that, um, well, we'll start with the biggest one, um, I feel, we need to report. And that is Miguel Leon, formerly of Watford. Um, people in the UK may recognize. But he's went from uh, Porto to Sevilla. The uh, the left back uh, struggled a little bit at Porto uh, and at Watford, actually. But this is, this is quite a positive uh, move for him, isn't it, Ollie? It is, yeah. I think he's able to, even though he's not, wasn't barely getting any game time with Porto, he was sort of behind, uh, he's behind Alex, Alex, Alex Tellers, who was the first choice left back. And even when he was playing further forward, he was behind his, uh, national team, teammate, uh, Jesus Corona. So to get a move to Sevilla is quite a positive one. I, will he be able to start there at Sevilla? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe he could have, again, been brought in with a bit of depth, but I think, yeah, for him with a World Cup coming up, to go to another side who was still in Europe, I think it's a it definitely is a positive move for him. Yeah, Manu, I, I suppose he's going to be looking at this in in several ways. He, he's going to be looking at it as moving to another um, European competition regular um, club uh, in one of the biggest leagues in the world. People might argue that it's it's the biggest league in the world, I suppose. Uh, but I mean, the fact that he might be able to challenge, get into the side ahead of a World Cup. Is only going to be a good thing when it comes to Osario deciding who is going to be at the left-back position? Yeah, well, Sevilla is maybe one of the best-run clubs in Europe. And they have been for quite some time. They are very good at identifying players that, that fit the way they play. And... um I think for them, if they, if they are able, if they're interested in bringing Layun and then sign him, they must be seeing something in him that they obviously like. And I think that's, that's, it's very good news for Layun. And, um, I'm curious to see what role he will play, um, at Sevilla if, if they're going to use him in, in his natural position, because he can also play a bunch of other positions. So I'm really curious to see, um, how, how, what kind of impact he's going to have, but, Keep in mind, um, Guido Pizarro is also there, um, formerly Tigers, and, um, he signed in there in the summer, and some people thought, well, he's not going to get a lot of playing time, but Pizarro plays very regularly for them. Uh, so it's really interesting. They really do sign players based on what they needs that they have, um, in the side. And I think if they, if they bring someone like Layun in, they usually do it so that the player plays. So I think it's a very good move for him and a very good move ahead of the World Cup. And he's now going to play in what is possibly the, the best competition in Europe at the moment. Yeah, most certainly. I think a positive move for the player. And hopefully we get to see him your feature in Sevilla shirts uh, more than uh, not. Um, guys, let, let's move on to another transfer, one that uh, people will be uh, less likely uh, to expect we would uh, report in that Wagner Love, the Brazilian 33-year-old striker, has moved to Besiktas. Why are we mentioning that? Well, it's because Chicharito uh, at West Ham at the moment had been linked heavily with Besiktas and 
this would probably suggest that Besiktas now have a striker and will not go for another one. Um, Manu, is, is this bad news for Chicharito or does it just mean that we'll have to wait and see if another club comes in and, and snaps them up in the next few days? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think that, um, the, the, the forward market is, is really odd right now in Europe. We are all waiting for that domino to fall, which seems to be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's move finally to Dortmund to Arsenal to be completed. And I feel that will set a whole bunch of things in motion around uh, the Premier League. There's, there's talk that, for example, Shiru will go to Chelsea and Batsurai will go to Dortmund, but maybe that will be a workout completely different. Um, I heard now from several sources, but Batsuhai is not the player that they're looking at, but he might be. So it's, it's all very confusing, right? So there is, there's a lot of, uh, turmoil, um, when it comes to strikers in general. Ben Yeda, actually, the Sevilla striker is another one that's, um, linked to several clubs. Eden Checo is on that market. I feel, um, as soon as one or two strikers are moving, you will probably see a little bit of a chain reaction. And I wouldn't be surprised if Chicharito was involved in that. Um, maybe something that will impact Chicharito's future is that they, um, this was all over the news this morning here in North America is that Slatan Ibrahimovic is heading to LA Galaxy. Um, so that of course means that that path for Chicharito, which is something that a lot of people expected is closed, right? Because I can't see them afford Chicharito and um, Slatan Ibrahimovic at the same time, so it's it's an interesting one. I think I think we'll be smarter um, January thirty first, um, a couple of days, and I think we we'll all be breathing a sigh of relief. Um, I'm personally looking forward to Saturday's matches when all the transfers, rumors, etc., are gone. And this is not just for the Bundesliga or Liga MX, just in general. I'm a little bit tired of it. So um, yeah, I'm guess that's really what we need to wait for. But you know what's really sad about this? Just on a side note, Bryce. What's that? Wagner Love has shaved his head. Oh. That was part of him. I know. I know. I mean, mean, obviously it was literally part of him, but that that was... That was part of uh, what you all remember when when he's on the field, right? Yeah, no, he just just has a weird name. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. He does have a weird name. Do do you know what I've, I've, I've... Actually, um, heard, um, I, I heard this a little bit after it, uh, was mentioned and, re- and reported, um, only a few days ago that was, but I, I seen that the initial report was on the 12th of January was, um, some, uh, Manchester United fans were requesting that Javier Hernandez be brought back to Manchester United as a bit of a uh, backup, especially when, uh, Lukaku wasn't maybe on form and I suppose the uh, Alexi Sanchez deal was hanging in the balance. Um, I mean, Oli, I, I, I would imagine that we're not going to see him go to Manchester United. Um, would you agree with my opinion? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that would have been a very bizarre signing, probably not one Mourinho would have made as well, knowing that that Sanchez deal potentially was in the offing. But I, I, I generally think he's going to stay at West Ham for the rest of the season now, May, not because he, he wants to stay, but because he's probably going to have to be forced to stay because West Ham... They're, regarding the strikes they've got, they've got quite a few injured. Obviously, Carroll's out for a few more months. Marco Nautovic has been playing up front out for about four weeks now. They, Mikel Antonio can play there as well, but he's currently injured. And they've sold Diafra Sacco and Andre Ayew, who can also play up front. Apparently, Swansea have made a bid for him today as well. So they're basically going to have like no fit strikers apart from Chicharito. So, okay, yes, we might want to see him move to get some game time, but things could potentially fall in his favour. That, well, that, more, that, that more is going to have to be forced into playing him because there literally is no one else. Well, I did well, write more... I did write an article today when it's going to come out um, and soon um, on Fido Smolov possibly joining West Ham, right? Oh, the Russian striker. So, not saying that's done. I'm saying it's a possibility. And actually, <laughs> they, their agents have confirmed even already a week or so ago that they were talking among others to West Ham, but. He's also linked with Dortmund, so I, I, that could that could impact things too, right? Yeah, definitely. If he, if he joins, that could possibly again force Chicharito out because Moyes just clearly isn't a fan of him. But well, well, Moyes has said um, to reporters and to the press that he will give him a chance, but I, I suppose the chance he give him was um, at the weekend he featured, didn't he, against uh, Wigan? Yeah, and that game ended two uh, 0 to Wigan. Um, and some people said that uh, Chicharito looked 
really off the pace, but I suppose he wasn't the only man on the pitch that was off the pace. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like they've got an injury problem, as you said, Ollie. It seems to be a lot of uh, soft tissue um, problems that they're having here because uh, Slavin Bilic, when he was there, apparently the players were very out of shape. And yeah. when Moyes turned up, he said that he was going to make them cry with how hard he was going to train them. And now he's he's suffering the backlash of a lot of them being injured, which, as you said, Ollie, you would imagine would push for Chicharito to to be played because there's nobody else available, really. So if the smaller deal doesn't go through in the next few days, you, you may find that he's going to get the playing time anyway. And I suppose he'll only be a goal away or goal or two away from maybe picking up a bit of form and things changing. But at the moment, it, it does look like Moyes doesn't really fancy him. And it also looks like, you know, Chicharito's, his head is down. He's, he just doesn't look himself really at the moment, which is a bit surprising when you would expect that to be the case if you've maybe, you know, having a, a bedding in issue in a new country. But he's obviously played here before, but maybe it just doesn't say that much for West Ham, you know, and the current state that they're in, that it's, it's leaving a little bit challenging for him to come into such a, uh, a side with many issues, I think. I feel that. Uh, Ollie, do you see if uh, if he is forced to play at small if doesn't come in, do you see him, you know, turning a corner, maybe uh, getting a few goals and uh, rekindling that um, that that cheat reader that we know? You'd like to think so. You feel like Moy should now say, okay, try and like take him aside and say, okay, you're going to be our main. Is it not saying you're going to be our main for like a month, but basically say to him, look, you've now you've got a massive chance here to show me what you can do go and actually do it. I mean, okay, against Wigan, he was really poor. But then in their last Prem game at home to Bournemouth, he did come off the bench to grab the goal. So he's cl- clearly he's wanting to show Moyes what he can do. And he, he's not going to get a better opportunity under Moyes than this next, probably the, probably the whole of February, where he's going to basically be, a, he should be a regular starter. Because we know what he can do when he gets in the box. It's just a matter of him sort of building up that confidence slowly again. And again, he wants to obviously score goals, play games, because he's going to want to really cement his place in that World Cup squad. Yeah, very much so. I think we discussed in the last podcast, didn't we, that it would be hard to imagine a starting eleven without him in it yeah. for El Trey. But um, I suppose if things were really not to go his way the rest of the season, or if he was to pick up one of these um, training uh, <laughs> ground uh, injuries uh, like the rest of the squad... Then uh, El Trey may be forced to uh, go ahead uh, without him and start a different lineup. Uh, j- just before we uh, move on to our next very interesting uh, topic and a topic that's really going to benefit the league by the sounds of it, um, it looks like um, Chucky Lozano is um, going to be one of the players in that uh, in, in that El Trey starting eleven, um, and possibly play it in I don't know maybe a, a front three or maybe just off the off the front man. But uh, he scored again at the weekend. It's things seem to be. Um, Going very well for him over in Eredivisie. Um, he, uh, he he wasn't really on our plans to speak about him, uh, you know, this week. Uh, but I feel we're going to have to really do a bit of a uh, a coverage on him and uh, pods coming up. Uh, I think he's um, he's really seems to be uh, setting the world light over there. But um, anyway, we'll not get distracted. Um, let, let's get back to um, the topic I, w- I was mentioning, and that that's to do with TV rights. Uh, Manu, I feel you're going to have to take charge on this one. You seem to have investigated it a little bit further than Oli and I when we were talking about it before the podcast started. But a, a TV rights deal is in place that is going to benefit all the leagues by um, bringing a bit more cash to them all. But, but what exactly is this TV deal? Uh, could you explain it? Well, no, no, no. The, the issue is that there's a lack of a centralized TV deal in Liga MX. <clears throat> and... Um, the, the 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 general consensus is that Liga MX is one of the most undervalued products in in sports, maybe around the world. Um, because when you when you look at the size of the country in Mexico, the popularity of the league and the um, reach, the economic reaches of the the country, but also of the individual football clubs, the league should be um, on the same echelon as the, the Italian, German, English, and French League, um, and Spanish League, of course. Not saying on top of that, but in the same kind of region, because you, when you look at the country of Mexico, it's I think it's 120 million people live there. It, they're football fanatic. 
Um, there's several big clubs with big stadiums, good infrastructure. Um, but the, the, the problem is with League MX is they have never really managed to sign international television deals in the same way than La Liga has done. The English Premier League is, of course, the, the benchmark for that. But La Liga has done that very well, too. And the Bundesliga, of course, a little bit late to the game. Similar to actually the Liga MX, um, late to the game, but really pushing into that right now. And the, the problem with Liga MX is that there's different television groups that own the different teams, right? There's no centralized television deal in place as it is in a case in England and in Germany, most famously, but also as of this year, I believe in La Liga and, um, Italy and France as well, where you know, most clubs get, um, all the clubs get the same amount of money, um, as a bench, um, up front. And then there is additional payments depending on where you finish on the league, right? Uh, in the league standings and the league MX do not have that. That means that there's, um, certain clubs make as more money than others. Um, that of course it's added to that is that certain teams are owned by different television companies. And we'll, we'll get into this a bit more because, the difficulties of then finding an international television contract that benefits everyone is a little bit more difficult because there's different television groups involved in this, right? That are, that are fighting over control over who, um, gets to, um, distribute these, these, the, the name of the league abroad. Um, but it's really interesting. There was a, there was a quote in this FMF state of mind, um, article, which is over at the SB Nation. And it's a fantastic homepage. Every once in a while, they have really nice, good articles on the game. And the Octagon Senior Vice President, Dan Cohn, named Liga MX as one of the most undervalued in terms of media rights. Talking to host Michael Barr and Scott Soschnick, Cohn said, I am extremely bullish on Liga MX. I think it's probably the most undervalued property in all of global sports, not even just in the U.S. Citing conjunction of factors that have contributed to the league's success in the United States. It's the biggest watched league in the United States, um, ahead of the English Premier League, ahead of Major League Soccer. So there is something there in terms of value, but it's very difficult because these different teams are operated and owned by different TV companies. You know, Televisa, for example, owns a bunch of teams, including Club America. Um, and they are in, this is maybe our next topic, right? And I don't want to quite get into that right now, but they, they are in conflict with some of the other television groups that, um, are, of course, um, own some of the other teams. So it's a bit of a difficult one. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper and now adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, we, we've said for quite a while, haven't we, that something needs to be done with the uh, TV deals. I mean, um, Ollie, we've we seen the start of the uh, aperture, didn't we, that uh, Lobos home games were, were not aired at all, which, uh, you know, we've seen as a good thing and a bad thing that they were putting up a bit of a fight um, against uh, what they decided was a per TV offer. But um, at the same time, like you, me, anybody else, so we we couldn't tune in and watch the games, which made it very difficult. It didn't exactly put them on the map, did it? Um, and I I think the TV issue seems to be a raging on and on for the league MX sides. Yeah, it really is. I think the whole Lobbers they took they, their first like five six games just weren't available anywhere at all. We think for my I'm just speaking from a personally up work point of view, but even for like if you want to just from an enjoyment point of view, they they, they weren't available anywhere. They they weren't being streamed. That's all anywhere. I mean, you've got Chivas, for example, who've gone to the whole step of basically, 
we're just going to create our own TV channel. We're going to forget all about television, Univision, all that. And we're just going to do everything we do come through our channel, which is obviously you can only have to pay a membership to subscribe to it. And that's the only way you can watch Chivas games, which is an interesting way of doing things. But then again, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's a reactionary thing to what, to what Manu said about the whole TV deal that it, this again impacts on the European market that if there are people who are going to be up at 3am watching the games, they just can't, or they're going to have to find it on some dodgy streaming site or just via YouTube or something like that. So doing this will help. It's, it's, I feel like it'll take a while to get there because all the teams, they've probably got, got big contracts from all their, all, all the uh, TV companies at the moment. But if, if they can work this out, and as the uh, that VP said, that the, the Mexican League is such an unvalued property, it, it, this is a way that it can really take off and really like smash that European market. That if it wants to be considered like on par with some European leagues, it needs to do. Mm. It's an interesting statistic too, Oli. So Cohen continued and, and he said, "There's currently 35 million Mexican Americans living in the United States. That number is expected yeah. to double by 2032. Wow, that's that's a big market. I mean, we're talking yeah. the, the market the size of Germany or England." Um, you know, and that's, that's really something that they have to, I think that there is, there's a lot of money to be made. And, um, and we, we watched this, we watched this league almost religiously. And, um, in Canada, for example, it's very difficult to find this, this league to watch legally. There is now a new page, um, Fanatis, where you can, it's sort of like Dozen or Netflix and you can, you can actually now tune into Cuba Libradores, Liga MX. And, um, a bunch of other Latin American leagues. And I'm definitely going to, to get it because it's worth it to spend $9.99 a month on. And now we are not sponsored by them. Although I think after this, we should be, um, to spend that on, on them because I, I want to watch it and I want to watch it in the best quality available. I don't want to spend half the game switching between different YouTube channels or pirate streams in order to get my fix. And I mean fix in the true sense of the word, but I guess that's what it is for me. I, I really like and enjoy watching it. So it's it's a it's an interesting one and it's amazing that they haven't really been able to push that more um on, on the global market. And I think some of that is just due to local politics that are really hurting the the growth of the league. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like another option as well, I think with uh and then, for example, you've got Kazuki Honda, right? And every Pachuca home game, you see so many Japanese fans who have just flown over to Mexico to support him. And you think, if that's what people are, the people fly basically like halfway across the world to come and see him play in Japan, there must be that market there just for him, him alone must be absolutely massive. And then you, you could also go to extent you could say you've got Juniac as well and other French players as well who have joined the league. So, there, 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 is, there, there will be that interest of a European and even an Asian market now. So it's something that they do need to do. And it's just getting all the clubs together and working it out. And that's, I mean, it's easier said than done with Mexico and the politics that happens there. Yeah, I think that is pretty much the thing that we need to get into next. Um, maybe before we get into the whole uh, Krupa Pachuca Televisa fight, um, little remark on Japanese players. I spent November and December traveling around Germany to, to cover, um, different Bundesliga games. And there's a lot of Japanese players in the Bundesliga. And I think in every game I was at, there was at least five or six Japanese journalists to cover, to cover those games. And the Bundesliga is, of course, widely available in Asia. It's the, I think it's the most watched league in, in China, for example. And I think it's in Japan. It's, it's on par with the Premier League. And that's because, you know, there is players there. And that generates a lot of interest, but you actually need to be able, people need to be able to watch it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. So there needs to be deals in place for this to, to this to work out. And I guess, Bryce, that's really where we need to move all over to our little, um, little scandal that hit, um, <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. The, well, the, that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, Ollie said that your things don't move possibly as smoothly as they should do because of the different politics within Liga MX and there seems to be a, a more drama um, off the field uh, and this time in Pachuca where um, I mean uh, Manu again we may have to go to you on, on some of this but um, uh, there, there seems to be a, a bit of a 
television um, investigation into a company called uh, Grupo Pachuca. Uh, they're they're like the biggest um, business company within uh, Pachuca, aren't they? Um, and they don't seem to have uh, paid their their taxes, and this. Um, seems to be um, a bit of an issue then with the club as well because um, they're highly highly involved with the club aren't they and it means that the club could possibly be disqualified from from the first division is that correct in, in what i'm saying well that's what tom marshall tweeted oh no you have to take that with a grain of salt because this is televisa reporting on grupo pachuca and grupo pachuca of course have a television group as well and they are on in rival right the the grupo pachuca mm-hmm. um they own Pachuca, of course, right? Um, and Club Leon. And also in the second division, uh, Mineros de Zacatercas. But also in Argentina, uh, Club Atletico Taleres. And in Chile, Everton de Vina del Mar. Um, and then they have association agreements with a whole bunch of teams in the third division in Mexico. So it's, it's a big television group. Um, Pachuca is of course the, but I mean the club, not Pachuca Cooper, Pachuca, but the club, um, are of course the, the center, the, the ground jewel of this entire thing, right? Uh, Televisa, of course. <laughs> now Televisa owns Club America and Club Nicaxa. Yes, club multiple ownership is a thing in Mexico. It's illegal in Europe. In Mexico, it's very common. Now, they launched this investigation into Grupo Pachuca. Now, um, <laughs> we have, as I said, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's, um, these, 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 these TV companies are often owned by political parties and political groups that are, that are in opposition to one another. And because of that, Televisa saying this about Grupo Pachuca, there, there could be any sort of things, underlying issues going on that we don't see and that we're not aware of. Um, of course, Televisa is saying, well, Grupo Pachuca got tax benefits and ta- tax bonuses in order to 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 stay in Pachuca, but they also um, got land deals, etc. And I mean, Pachuca, again, watch Los Cuervos. There's an episode where they just walk through Club Pachuca's training facilities and every European club would die in envy because it's a huge training facility and it's the most modern training facility I have ever seen. They argue that they got money and land um, through tax evasion. Again, grain of salt, politics, we don't actually know what's going on. I'm pretty sure that Grupo Pachuca could go and vice versa and launch a television investigation into Televisa, Club America, and Necaxa and would come up with the same amount of dirt. And this is, this is the problem that I'm talking about because these two companies, um, both those clubs play in Liga MX, right? They're both shareholders of the league. This is something that often people forget. Clubs share uh, clubs are each individually a shareholder of the league and um, they need to, they're not doing this kind of stuff does not enhance the product um, that they own collectively so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a silly one for me and I think that um, there is something going on underlying and I, I maybe also trying to get that domination in case that collective television deal comes uh, at one point or uh, one point in time yeah I'd, I'd be very surprised if they got kicked out of the uh, division, right? I mean, yeah, that that seems like. Well, it, it, some people might say it, it would be the right thing to do if if it was uh, they did turn out that that was the case. But I'd be very very surprised if that happened. Would you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, remember, there's all these these things going on. Um, we have this wonderful list that Tom Marshall put together, and um. There is things like the Pacto de Caballeros, you know, um, the, 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 the pack between the owners. And then there's, of course, also the Junta de Duenos, um, the loosely biennial Liga MX owners meeting. So they, they do talk, uh, again, watch Cuervos. They actually restage those, those things in, in the television show. And you can, you get really good insight of about how these ownership meetings work. So I'm pretty sure there is something going on at the at these meetings or some kind of political undercurrent that we're currently not aware of. Yeah, most certainly there'll always be a off-field um, stuff for us to talk about to keep us entertained, won't there? And uh, plenty of ongoings. But I would say Liga MX aren't the only uh, 
league in the world that's going to have such going so on off the pitch. But um, guys, let's go back to the pitch for a moment. Um, we're not quite going to go to Liga MX just yet. We're going to speak about the uh, Mexican girls winning the CONCACAF Under-20 Women's Championship, beating the United States. This is um, obviously quite the feat. Some people might say, well, you know, is that that high up on the agenda? I feel it is with uh, Liga Mel, you know, obviously um, getting massive uh, viewing figures um, you know, within the ground in this last year. I, I think um, it's just going to show that, you know, women's football in Mexico is a very um, popular game. And I, I can only see it being more and more popular as the years go on. And it's, um, it's actually... A good thing to see around the world as women's football does um, grow. It seems like Mexico are almost uh, leading the way in this. Um, and they managed to beat the USA, which we all know just how good the USA women are at any level. Um, I mean, if we go to you, Ollie, I mean, uh, this is um, this is definitely something that we felt we needed to mention on here, didn't we? Definitely, yeah. I mean, the way the Liga MX Feminal has just taken off since it started last year is quite, it's quite unbelievable. I thought, I, I thought it was always going to be quite a big thing. The way the Mexicans are passionate about their football, but the fans have just taken to it like, 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 uh, just as they would do with men's football. It's like some of the attendances you're seeing are superb. I feel like it is the way they they do it. They sometimes either play, just what they did in the Apertura, they would um, either play. After all, before the uh, men's had played, so obviously the attendances are boosted quite, quite from that. But even so, there was just times when there's time last season where Leon played a game at home, and that the men's team weren't playing on the same day, and they basically got a full house. So it, you just don't see that happen really anywhere else in the world, probably apart from the USA. If you and this has only been going for what seven months now, so it, it's absolutely incredible. And for them to win the under twenty women uh, Concacaf champion Concacaf tournament is really impressive and they're now qualified for the World Cup and you feel like this could the under 20 World Cup this could be a really good chance for them they haven't got past the uh, course final stage in that before and it could be an amazing opportunity for the Mets, for the Mexican women to show what they can do on this international level because probably a lot of them won't have a lot of the other teams playing in at the competition will have seen them play before because they just haven't had the opportunity so it, this can only be a good thing, and the league's just going to get stronger and stronger as it just progresses, just naturally over time. Yeah, most certainly. Um, I think it's uh, it's a very exciting time for uh, women's football, uh, sure around the world, but um, especially in in Mexico, where I suppose over the years people would have suspected that uh, USA would have been uh, you know leading the line with it. But I think this goes to show that you know. You know, Mexico, it's it's a very popular sport, but not just for the men, with the, with the women as well. And so mm-hmm. this is fantastically uh, exciting. Um, anyway, we, we've spoke before, haven't we, that we feel uh, we should do a uh, podcast special yeah. on, on uh, Liga MX Femal. Um, and maybe that's something that we'll uh, look to address in, in the coming weeks. Well, we, we will have to, uh, just to, to give you some numbers, um, Bryce. So the, the average attendance was 3,492, um, per game last season, uh, this, sorry, this season. And to compare this with the, the U.S., um, women's league, the national women's soccer league, they average attendance. And this is in their, uh, fifth season is 5,083. So I feel that they, they're doing pretty well compared, considering it's just the first, uh, first season in, in Mexico. And it's interesting that Mexico is, it's taking off so much. I think the other big league in the Latin America or the other big league around the world that's taking off very well right now is in Colombia. So it's, it's really interesting that it is in that part of the world that it's really taking off. And there seems to be a lot of room to grow the game. Um, and keep in mind too that. One of the big reasons why the attendance figures are so great in the United States in comparison to Mexico is because the Portland Thorns and Portland is a great example is average 17,000 a game, um, which is fantastic figures, right? So I feel that Mexico maybe wants to get a team like the Portland Thorns in that league as well that just averages a lot of, a lot of people per game. 
um, the numbers say there's a lot of room, room to grow. Um, so yeah, fantastic news. And yes, we will, will try to, to make a podcast, an entire podcast dedicated to that league only. Yeah, I must say I'm, uh, I'm rather excited about that. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting topics for us to uh, discuss, but I'm looking forward to doing a little bit more research into it all as well, because I, I do find it fascinating and it's, it's, uh, it's a great thing to see, isn't it? But, um, uh, speaking about, uh, CONCACAF, um, uh, that was the, as Ollie experienced, the mouthful that was the CONCACAF under 20s women's championship final. We're going to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League now. Got through all that. Um, they've decided to, um, to change some of their venues, haven't they, uh, Manu? Um, there's a few issues in Honduras, which I suppose we don't really have to go into, but they've uh, they've decided to um, change the games that were going to be held there uh, into um, into different venues. Yeah, uh, Honduras is it appears is sadly on the verge of a civil war. Um, I was fortunate, unfortunate that you know I was supposed to go down there actually uh, a year ago for a World Cup qualification game between Canada and Honduras. As a match observer, and that got cancelled because it's unsafe, and uh, the situation has not gotten better since. And in fact, it's gotten worse. So, um, Concacaf, the equivalent of UEFA in of uh, in Central America, decided. And I got the email today because I'm a Concacaf accredited journalist that both the Honduran Champions League games, because they have two teams in the the round of sixteen are going to get their venues moved. Now, we'll discuss the, the Olympia New York Red Bulls game uh, on the We Call It Soccer podcast. But um, FC Motagua, um, they, they're supposed to play Tijuana, right? And this is very soon. This is in the end of, end of February, so February 22nd. And that game has been, Motagua's home game has been moved to Edinburgh, Texas, um, simply for safety reasons. It's It's not safe right now to play football in Honduras. Yeah, rather sad news uh, for the people of uh, Honduras. Says there's a bit of unrest there. We hope um, that well, we hope everything goes okay there as, as well, or and as soon as they can. Um, but guys, let's uh, let's finally get to uh, the league action, the league MX uh, games. We we started, didn't we? <laughs> Some. Uh, some new features as of last week. Um, one, uh, I suppose, in possession watch, which we'll, we'll talk about that first. I, I feel is maybe less new because we uh, we seem to speak about it all the time about how sides have less possession uh, than their uh, opponents and manage to uh, beat them convincingly a lot of the time. Um, the other feature we will get to all in good time, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I've just looked and there seems to be a list of uh, sites that um, manage to have more possession. But oh, where where to start, I suppose? Um, Oli, uh, Tijuana were one of the teams that uh, benefited in having less possession. But not just them, Club America and, as always, Monterey. <laughs> um, it's just it's a trend that's not going to go away. Yeah, it, and it's just, just it happens to be this is the way the teams play, you think. Tijuana had... Uh, 37% possession. That was against Pueblo as well, which is kind of amazing. Pueblo, one of the worst sides in the league. You think, okay, we know teams do, do can win with like under 40% possession, but you think Tijuana would want to dominate that game, but they still, they still didn't again allow Pueblo to have the ball and just hit them on the counter. America, yeah, America, they had just under 50. So that one was kind of even with Atlas, but then Monterey, we know all about Monterey, 38% possession. They, they just, that's the way they play. I mean, Chivas were quite unlucky against, against them, but it, that the, the system Rayados play, it just suits them like to an absolute T. And they were, the, the goal sort of just typified that they were both hit on the counter attack. The second goal was even more so. It was literally a minute after Chivas had scored to make it, to make it 1-1. Yeah, Manu, it, it seems like we, we address this uh, every week, don't we? And uh, all these just uh, after pointing out um, something that we already knew, the Monterey like this style. Um, America maybe less obvious, but uh, Tijuana, uh, I mean, for Puebla to have more possession than you, that's um, that's something special right there. But um, Although I, I, it makes sense, Bryce, because we remember when we talked about Tijuana, last was it last week? I think it was last week, that the way they built their side was very much to play that. Monterey style of football. Um, so it makes kind of sense that it, it turns out that way. 
Yeah, well, especially if you're going to learn from the Monterey Bunch, it, it definitely means don't have much of the ball whatsoever, does it? Uh, but, um, uh, Ollie, would I be right in saying that possibly a team of the week were Nakaxa? No, unbelievably so. They destroyed Leon. I mean, I, 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 may I just say, Ollie, was it not last week that we said that what's happened to Caxa there? They haven't really, um, got going again. <laughs> I know, I feel like we're really eating our words now. Yeah, they were just, they were sublime. I mean, okay, Leon were absolutely dreadful. I can't remember them seeing them play that badly for God knows how long, probably since when Torrente was still in charge. That was a hell of a long time ago now. But Nakaxa were superb all over the pitch. Just, I don't, I don't know what the manager's done. He didn't even play his strongest team. He, like, normal starting centre-back was dropped to the bench, rotated like his new talk, his, uh two normal centre midfielders, made some changes up front, and it just worked. It just worked unbelievably well. They dominated them all, scored some really good goals. I think the fourth goal um, from Villal Pando was an absolute screamer. It sort of takes it sort of right side of the box, head of an angle, is absolutely smashed it into the top corner. Yarbrough's got no chance. It was just a total team performance. It was, I mean, if they can, they're not going to be able to play like that every week, but they can even play to even like a, a smidgen of that. They will, they will slowly rise in the table because that was stunning to watch at times. Yeah, all they mean uh, they're going to be facing uh, Toluca uh, in the uh, next round of games. How, how do you see that game going? Mm. And Toluca, are, they're, they're, they're a tough side. Toluca, you never, I, I'd always, you always fancy Toluca maybe against Nakak, so they're just a a real dogged side. They're not the most enjoyable side to watch. They always just seem to like pick up draws, just pick up wins here and there. So I can, I can, I feel like I can see that being the draw in my, for me. Nakaxa are going to be wanting to build on this, on their performance last week, and you feel like they will. Nakaxa are at home as well. They're pretty decent at home. So it, it, it'd be an interesting contest, I think. Yeah, most certainly, and and we've seen um, Manu uh, Morelia or Monacos um, on the uh, first game of the weekend, um, as we kind of predicted, beating Carretaro one uh, 0 But uh, it was a much closer game than what we expected from a team that um, really uh, blossomed in this last year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's interesting that Monacos actually boss possession in this. <laughs> Um, massively massively <laughs> boss possession in this and Carataro Carataro just aren't very good though that's I mean, no they are that's not very good uh, and they got I mean, a man sent off after 8 minutes they did yeah I mean Carataro they, they started in like a 5-3-2 anyway then they mm. went even more def- they went even more defensive I didn't think it was and possible for them this, so they did this last week too right Oli? they the... did indeed yes and, and they've actually been playing that throughout the season so far the manager sort of done this shift which actually worked in the first few games and they was it last week they beat Lobos yeah. away, I believe, and 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 that, and that worked well. But it's just when you go down ten men. I mean, it's actually uh, it's, when you go down ten men, you've, you've got to try and get back on the front foot, and they never like doing it. I don't think they had a shot on target in this game at all. I think they had, they had like maybe like one or two shots, and one of them was like a header from like just inside the box. It was. It, I don't say they're disappointed before because they're playing with 10 men, but they've got to be a bit more proactive, especially when you've got players like Pucci and Sambezo up front. Yeah, they they yeah. didn't register. They had four shots, but none on target, Yeah, um, according to my stance here, which is, um, even if you are a man down, that's, that's rather poor, isn't I, it? It's so interesting it is. that you mentioned that, Ollie, because Camilo, Camilo uh, as we still call him up here in Vancouver, <laughs> um they haven't, they have two good strikers up front. I don't understand why Carataro was so poor. I don't say they've actually got three now because they signed Matias Britos as yeah. well. Right. So I, they've had, yeah, have actually got some quite decent strikers, but it's just not clicking for them. I, I like to say it wasn't, it was, it was the week before last that they beat Lobos last week. They drew nil at home against Tigra. And there's a stat I saw that's now two games running that they haven't had a shot on target. And that sort of says all you need to know about Carataro at the moment in mm-hmm. these past two games. Yeah. Well, I feel that we have to go to our next new feature. Uh, this one is actually a little more new than the last time. Is our Santos Lacuna watch or our Dianini watch? Um, who uh, we had said was uh, the top goal scorer um, at 
that time, and he, he's continued his uh, fine form, what we say, in, a, in the one-all draw away to uh, Veracruz. We've established before that Veracruz are another side that aren't very good. Uh, but he uh, managed to get a late uh, equaliser, 92nd minute only, uh, from the penalty spot. Yes. Yeah, it was, what, it, was he any on. good, though? And were Santos any good? Uh, Giannini was good. He was good again. He was probably the only player that I'd say impressed. Santos were poor. I mean, Veracruz actually could have won that game. They were, I mean, where the hell they've been hiding a performance like this, I have no idea. They, as we always said, they had less possession, of course, and that seemed to work for them. They just looked, they were knocking it around well. They were unlucky, I'd say they were unlucky not to win this game. It was, it was the way Santos Laguna started the season, you'd think they would absolutely blow them away, and that's what I, that's what I would have predicted, but, they seem to be a bit sluggish. It was as if they like they expected. I mean, it's Veracruz. We can just turn up. We've got Giannini, who's top goal scorer. We can just sort of walk this, and they didn't at all. It took them until maybe the final 15, 20 minutes until they really sort of like woke up and earned the penalty like the ninety first minute to get the equaliser. So it was a bit sluggish from them. But as I said, with Giannini, what Giannini was their best player. So even when they play badly, he's just in that good form at the moment that he still stands out. Mm. Yeah, that's it. It's um, it was unusual. I, I suppose we highlighted them, saying that we need to speak about them a bit more. As unfairly, we haven't, uh, and of course we jinxed them, and they didn't yeah. do very well. <laughs> where uh, we said uh, Nakaxa seemed to have come off the boil, and and they were certainly on it this week. How often does that happen when you're but, you reporting know, on football, Bryce? When you look at the standings, so there's four teams on eight points. There's four point four teams on seven. Uh, two point, two teams on six, and you know, um, the standings then go on and on and on. There's, there's, there, there, no one has really stood out at this half of the season. Really. No, not really. It's, it's not been like the, uh, Apertura, has it, where, mm. you know, all of a sudden Monterey were soaring away at the top. It's, it's a much uh, closer affair this time. Uh, I, I must say that when you do look at the uh, goal differences, as some of the games are, are, are or of the teams are, are very interesting. I mean, you look at uh, Cholos, uh, four games played, two games, two draws. They've scored three and conceded none. <laughs> so, I mean, there hasn't been a lot going on in their games. But then if you look down to Pachuca, yeah. you know, who have won one, you know, uh, drew one and lost two, so that was, um, you know, that was Jolos who are sitting in third, Pachuca sitting in, in thirteenth. They've got they've scored nine, and conceded nine, so that's eighteen, <laughs> in, in four. I mean, <laughs> how uh, very different uh, sides those two have have been. But um, I suppose uh, speaking of uh, Pachuca, we talked about their off-field issues, but um, unfortunately they've had some on-field issues in losing. Uh, the game that we had highlighted uh, last week uh, against uh, Tigres, three-two. Uh, what a game this was, uh, Ollie. I mean, we we seen um, Geniac get the winner uh, with a uh, very well. T- Crossed in and he's, he struck that very sweetly. Uh, Geniac, a, a player that um, maybe in the last uh, few months he just hasn't been uh, um, as uh, as present as he was previously. But uh, a man that has been uh, present recently is uh, Kazuki Honda, who got on the score sheet once again for Pachuca. But um, yeah, there's I mean there's so much to report in this. Uh, I mean five goals. The Vargas goal was fantastic, but he was incredibly offside. I mean I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely superb game. It's just like end to end for minute one. There is, yeah, so much to talk about. Yeah, the, the, the Edu Vargas, I mean, it's, he's, he's so offside. It's like, even mm. when I was just watching it normally, you didn't even need to do the side on replay thinking like, he's about like two or three yards offside. It's like, how's no one called this? And you look at it, it's like, it, the, 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 he's not being blocked by a player. Like the linesman could just look dead across the line to see he's offside. It doesn't give it. But I mean, to be fair to him, it's a lovely sort of like back heel finish. And then, yeah, it just sort of, the game just went from there. Pachuca really went for this game. Sadly, it's the game Victor Guzman went off, picked up an ACL injury, which is really damaging for him. He's probably one who could have been pushing for a place in the World Cup squad, and he's definitely not going to get that now, you'd imagine. Pachuca, well, yeah, they, they started really strongly in the second half, really pushed on, got Honda scored a really nice goal, it was a really well worked, came back outside, sort of fired it in well. And then Gignac's goal is... Yeah, it, I, I was trying to figure out, when I was watching it live, I was thinking, how the hell has he done that? Because it's sort of like it's a cross come in, and he's sort of like, kind of, he's sort of to the left of the penalty spot, and the ball's coming out of 
bit of an angle towards him. He sort of like opens his body a bit, sort of he's kind of off the ground and flips it bloody outside of his like right foot and it goes into like the bottom right hand corner. It's like it's, I would say it's only a thing Geniac could do, but when he's 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 got that ability to just do something like quality and think, Wow, okay, Geniac, we know this is what what you can do. I thought he was actually quite good in this game. And you said like his his goal scoring's been a bit off as it has been for like about like a year now, maybe. But he's he sort of he's added a lot more to his game. He holds up the ball a bit more and brings other players into the game. And I guess that's sort of how Ferretti has, has wanted to change things for Tigre and for Geniac. So it, it's it's with Geniac, he maybe like maybe don't look at the goal so much because he he still is bringing so much more to his Tigre side and he's just so vitally important. Yeah, that that goal as you mentioned, Ollie, you know, it's um one of the rare goals that that he seems to be able to put away and he's, yeah. he's got that technique to do and as you said it's it's a hard one to explain, isn't it? It's it's crossed in and it looks very difficult, but he almost lets it come past his body yeah. and flicks it on, but with quite a bit of power, doesn't he? I mean, it's very impressive. But I think when you see initially see it, you're from uh, you're from the regular cameras, um, you you don't really appreciate it. Then you see it closer in, you go, that would be a bloody hard uh, effort to put away <laughs> from that position, actually. So yeah, I mean, he's he's always got that ability to do that, hasn't he? Um, let's um briefly talk um about uh, one or two other games before we go. Um. America, we touched on a little bit with our possession before they had less possession um, than Atlas did in their 1-0 victory, but only marginally it was a 49-51, so it, was, it wasn't it was that one-sided, I suppose, in that department. But um, uh, Manu, that sees um, America jump up to fourth, and uh, um, they've got four goals in the four games, um, conceded only two. Uh, you know, Herrera always sets up his side to be um, fairly strong at the back. Um, last season, we or the aperture, we pointed out that goal-wise they weren't uh, the best, but um, that still it still seems to be a little bit of an issue. But they're plugging away and they're doing okay, aren't they? They're getting results, which is all you wanted to stage, right? No, um, I I back watched this game and I I thought. It, it was a it is a decent enough game. Um, interestingly enough, Atlanta uh, Atlas or not Atlanta Atlas held uh, the majority of possession by one percent, uh, which you know possession watch um, helped our helped our possession watch a little. But um, it's the the the, the way uh, Club America. I think when it comes to altitude, they're always going to going to play be the better team at home that's that they have a huge advantage there and i i feel that they um were the better team and deserved this victory but at the same time they they seem to be and i've, I've noticed this trend now over the last few match days that they are very inefficient in front of the net and that's something that they need to work on and this is of course something that carries on from last season right the fact that they just don't know how to score and then of course they brought a menace and whether he is the the answer to their problems, I mean, he didn't even play and didn't even start in this match. So it's um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel I feel ever since uh, Benedetto left, they have been missing uh, a true striker up front, um, someone an all around striker who can just bang them away. And again, I'm not sure Menace is the solution for that. And uh, we'll just run out of time here, guys. We'll try to squeeze in every uh, little piece that we can. And, Ollie, let's uh, touch a little bit more on uh, Monterey. We had said that they were uh, struggling to get uh, their campaign underway. Maybe, you know, they're um, a, a bit hungover from their loss in the uh, final of uh, the Apertura. But um, they got back to winning ways, didn't they, against uh, Chivas with a 2-1 victory. Um, how did this game go down apart from uh, them having less possession as they always do? It was much, much more of a Monterey performance you'd expect from them. It was, again, obviously Chivas had over 6% possession, but we know all about that with Monterey. They, it was, they're, 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 again, they're getting back to where they were in the Apertura. There's, there's, there's definitely still a bit of issues coming from the Apertura loss in the final. But there, there was a lot more fluidity about this side. They were, it was, I think Jonathan Gazares again was very impressive. He's, he's still, I know he seems to talk about it every week, but he's just so good in the middle against this Chivas side. I mean, 
what Shiraz would do for a player of his quality in the middle. I mean, they paid the had to pay the massive bucks for him, but I mean, Shiraz were again unlucky. I feel I've got I've, I've, I like Shiraz. They play some really good football. It's, I mean, they hit the post in this game and miss like so many good chances that to at least at least probably get a point from this. On another day, maybe they do. I mean, it's it's from a Chivas point of view, it's there's there's just little bits and pieces that still are missing for them. I mean, Polito scored again, but then he's he's now been he's been ruled out now again because Mexico are playing a friendly this week, and it's been announced he's going to miss that through another ankle injury. So injuries seem to play a big part with Chivas. They never really, they don't have that full like that, that focal point of a striker. They're using um. Ronaldo Cisneros um, as a striker. He's like 21, and not really played a lot of Liga Max action. So, from Monterey's point of view, good. They're getting back to where they are. Chivas, they're closing in on what they need need to do to get back up there, but it's going to take time. Yeah, I think I, I looked at the table, and uh, people will, I suppose, have a nosy and see that uh, Chivas are sitting a lowly 16th, aren't they? But this is only after four games, or sorry, 15th. But uh, this is um, early doors, and if if they had have actually won that game, they would have been, obviously, Monterey would have been somewhat lower than second, but it it would have brought them up to about sixth in the league. So, you know, it's still early, and one win takes you a long, long way, especially when, as Manu said, the table is so tight at the moment. So, uh, I I still feel that they, you know, it's not like the disaster that you may expect when you hear that they're sitting in fifteenth and they're definitely looking uh, better than what they were in the previous campaign. But guys, I think that more or less uh, does it for today. Um, Manu, is there anything uh, you wanted to touch on before we finish up, or what would yeah. you like to draw people's attention to? Maybe just real quick because we have an article on that on Football Sidage Pumas first in the league. First of all, we need to point this out. Uh, also, they signed a striker, Eric Torres from Houston Dynamo. Um, very talented forward. Had a very good start to the MLS season last year and then didn't, didn't do so well in the second half. Um, we have an article up on him, uh, football Sidaja Jack Grimms wrote, wrote this piece and, um, yeah, for more details on him. But yeah, I, I personally am very happy that, um, they, they added another forward to that lineup because Nick Castillo needs help in case he goes down with an injury, right? They only drew one, one. So, yes, Pumas have signed to forward, uh, and a good one at that, um, or someone that, something that they really needed. Other than that, um, Bryce, yeah, I guess Aubameyang watch, <laughs> because uh, hey, as oh, we mentioned God, earlier, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the thing going on, and that's uh, so many of the other pieces and things that we're watching are dependent on that. So Aubameyang watch, it's all, it's, it's midnight, past midnight in Germany as we're recording this. He's supposed to be already at Arsenal. Like, come on, it was supposed to be announced Monday. That obviously, obviously someone didn't, didn't get things right. Um, yeah, that's, that's the only thing, really. At all of, all of the other stuff that we do will be all found at Football Grad Live on, on our Twitter feed. And I, you can follow me at Manuel Vef. Uh, yeah, certainly, guys. If if you if you have a little second, you want to catch up on football around the world, that's the place to go. If you uh, ever go to the Football Grad website, Football Stadio website, uh, or Football Stat, or just go to Twitter at Football Grad Live, you'll see plenty of information on there. We've also got the at Golazzo a podcast um, Twitter page as well. Um, Ollie, would you like to uh, draw the attention? Um, to our listeners, uh, to anything in particular, or what have you got going on this week? Uh, well, as an ex league MX analyst now, I don't really have a lot going on, which is sad to say. Of course, I'll still be watching the Mexican action this weekend. That goes without saying. So, if you, I mean, I, I can't link you to my football radar Twitter now because that will probably be taken off for me in the next few days. I, if you want me to, when I get my Super Retin account, I can tell everyone about that, and you can follow me on there. Uh, if not, you can just follow me on at my personal one at all Duxbury. A-O-L-D-U-X-B-U-R-Y and I will of course be tweeting Liga Mex on there as, as per usual as I did on my normal account but apart from that this week I think it's going to be a quiet week I'll catch up with some of the Liga Mex action from the weekend and then I'll be done on it <laughs> from, 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 from a work perspective of course Well that's it uh, Oli may be off uh, the Liga MX uh, account at work, but he sure as hell ain't leaving us. We're going to keep him coming back. And uh, it sounds like a lot of the listeners were happy about that as well. And so they should be. You're not going anywhere, Ollie. Definitely uh, we, not. 
we wouldn't let you either. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I suppose um, I, I can just um, draw people to uh, my Twitter account as well. You can find me at Bryce Dunn Eleven, um, and uh, I suppose if you're into uh, German football, check out the uh, Gag and Pressing uh, podcast. And yeah, there's definitely going to be the Obama I'm watching. Uh, I suppose people will be tuning in for the uh, tape on core cuts uh, pronunciation watch as well. There you go. I've got it out of the way already. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you have a little second, head over to iTunes and give us some uh, positive feedback. We really appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, we always appreciate you getting in touch on Twitter. Um, thanks for tuning in and goodbye. <laughs>